How will big tech continue to impact the auto sector? Will the chip shortage continue through 2023? Welcome to this edition of Tech Ad, where our podcast host, Mark Gibson, joins a discussion with KPMG's global automotive leader, Gary Silberg, as they have a conversation around how technology is impacting the automotive sector. My colleague, Matt Weiss, got the chance to interview Mark and Gary live on KPMG US News Twitter space. And here's that discussion. Mark, I want to begin with you and then, of course, bring Gary into the conversation. But, you know, Mark, you talk often about how tech is no longer a standalone industry. It is a horizontal. It's a bridge across sectors. And one can make the argument the intersection with tech and auto has never been more intertwined than it is today. Um, We recently issued, Mark, as you know, our global semiconductor outlook findings and Respondents this year indicated they expect the automotive sector uh, to emerge as the second most important revenue driver over the next fiscal year. When you saw that, Mark, I want to get your thoughts on what stood out to you. Did it surprise you or, frankly, did you expect going forward that this is likely going to be what we see from survey respondents? I think it's safe to say when you when you listen to what the semiconductor executives are telling us is that the automotive sector is in the fast lane when it comes to driving revenue for the semiconductor sector. And I wasn't overly surprised, you know, for years, the, the wireless sector, which includes 5G, smartphones, mobile devices, those types of things, also has been considered by far the most important revenue driver for the semiconductor industry. But what we've seen uh, in the survey uh, that came out this year is that respondents are really, really focused on the automotive sector. It's really, uh, it's really the one that's emerging. We're actually predicting at KPMG that over the next couple of decades, the automotive semiconductor market is going to reach $200 billion, uh, which is an astounding, an astounding figure. So, Clearly, uh, the intersection of tech uh, with the semiconductors and the automotive sector is forefront for that sector. Gary, um, I remember, I think it was back in 2019 when talking about semiconductors, uh, you and the automotive team came out with a paper talking about uh, what you called the, the coming ice age, if you will, and talking about how uh, automobiles were essentially becoming uh, computers with four wheels. And as part of that paper, you predicted that automotive semiconductor sales, which were about $40 billion back in 2019, could get up to $200 billion by 2040 and certainly turned out to be quite prescient um, analysis there, Gary, by you and the team. Yes, Matt and Mark, we were literally at the end of 2019, right in the beginning of 2020. So put your heads on. Then um, I actually had the honor and pleasure of giving a keynote address at, at the South Carolina Automotive Summit, which was the largest um, in the Southeast. That's where BMW's huge plan is in the industry. And I gave a talk on this paper, uh, didn't predict uh, and talked about the importance of semiconductors. While they'll be important, we'll talk about that in today's uh, discussion. But um, talk about prescient. Literally, that was mid-February 2020 when you know the paper came out late in the year, and how important these magical uh, chips are to the automotive industry. I always, uh, if you'll, you know, we've been talking about this a long time in automotive. Most people always look at their, you know, iPhone and talk about how cool that is, and look at how high tech it is. As an auto guy, I I always kind of giggled a little bit, not to be too pejorative on that. But yes, it is incredible. But think about the car 
going 80, 90 miles an hour um, at minus 20 degrees plus 120 degrees. It's got like 90 semiconductors in there, and we'll get into them, all hopefully working at the same time so you can both drive your car, connect, and do all those amazing things. So yes, Matt and Mark, this is a supercomputer on wheels, and the market for this is only going to grow and massively. And, and if you can't get the chips, you can't get the cars, as we've unfortunately learned. And it's importance to the industry and, quite frankly, to the whole world. Uh, this merger between um, auto and um, tech is quite amazing. Gary, you make a great point about, you know, what I would argue, these highly technical, tiny little chips that for decades went largely unnoticed how they've become household names and they're just, they're in everything and the impact they have, they've had in the last year or two with, with increasing car prices, with smartphone and Xbox shortages over the holidays, those types of things is, and I think we're arguing in the tech sector that semiconductors are the most critical component of a rapidly digitized global economy. And that's certainly the case um, in the auto sector, as, as you described. And, and also, I think what, the, what we heard from the semiconductor executives is the, the finish line and the, uh, the supply chain shortage is, is a bit down the road as well. I think over half the respondents we had globally and almost two-thirds of the U.S. respondents said that the supply-demand imbalance is likely to push into 2023. So while, uh, while we hope it's uh, improving soon, that that uh, supply chain issue with the, with the chips is going to be here for a while longer. Yeah. You know, Mark, you raise a great point. Gary, uh, just as I've listened to both of you speak, uh, just for context for the audience, talk about the importance of semiconductors. And we'll, we'll stick with that, given how timely it is. But Gary, also, I think it would be beneficial for the listeners, you and the team, came out with a paper again, right right before the pandemic began, talking about autonomous delivery in terms of the convenience of goods. And just welcome, Gary, if you could provide our listeners a little feedback on what that paper was all about, because again, I think it ties into, as we've been increasingly remote, working remote and having products delivered, we hear about the supply chain disruptions. Just wanted to get your thoughts on, on that paper, what you said at the time and what you're seeing in the marketplace now when it comes to autonomous autonomous technology being used to deliver goods. Yeah, spe speaking about even more tech, absolutely, Matt. And for those of you, uh, I follow this very closely, but NHTSA, which is the regulator for the uh, national, it's the National Highway and Transportation Association, but it, it's a regulator for many things uh, uh, in our country. And just, I believe it was last Wednesday or any, I don't know what exact day, but last week they announced that they will allow for driverless vehicles with no uh, steering wheel or brakes or anything that you need in the vehicle. They've actually now approved that, which is a huge step for autonomy. Um, in <clears throat> Chandler, uh, Arizona, which is just a suburb of Phoenix, you can today, for those of you um, visiting, go for it and download this app called Waymo, which is the Google uh, self-driving car app and you can get a self-driving car just like you can an uber or a lyft and you have to pay for it and now that is in uh, san francisco uh, waymo and a company called cruise automation is there right now um, allowing for autonomous drive where you actually pay for it if you've been selected there and um, they will be popping up uh, as mobility as a service um, throughout 
the country. I think later this year, you're going to even hear more of these announcements and next year and the year after. And then what you were referring to, Matt, is the autonomous delivery of goods. There's some really cool companies doing that with Neuro and the, the autonomous delivery of groceries you're starting to see. Walmart's partnering with Ford and you can see Walmart, I think, is even working with Cruise and um, all the big uh, retailers are starting to get uh, with autonomous delivery. So that, although not next, not tomorrow, but they're starting these deliveries and pilots in many cities in the United States. And uh, it's the other component of the high tech, this communication. And one thing in, in what Mark said too, Matt, I thought, Mark, you were spot on and how important these magical chips, because it's with these chips that allows you to do everything we just described. And if you think of the carb, uh, for all the listeners out there, here's what I would tell you to think about. If you, as, as you walk up to your vehicle day, if you're driving it, you got a key fob, right? The car already knows that it's your car right away. Eventually, um, it's going to know either vis-a-vis -vis your eyes, it will see you uh, and know it's your car, maybe your hand with your print. I mean, these are all going to arrive or arriving already. You open the door to your car. You sit in your car. What do you do next? The seat moves, right? Or automatically move or you move it. That is a computer chip um, with, the, with the vehicle. Um, you put on your seatbelt. What do you do? You push a start button, right? There is no, I mean, that is a computer chip, an actuator to start the vehicle. Um, your cameras turn on. You look behind you. You haven't even driven and you've probably already touched and instigated, um, I don't know, how many billions of circuits in the vehicle, and you haven't even started driving yet. So um, it's, it's from the minute you walk into the car to um, all the infotainment that you're going to be getting, and I want to talk about all that with you, Mark, about all the sexy, cool stuff we're going to see with infotainment coming in, all the safety systems that you have from the ADAS to the braking to the lot the um, autonomous that areas that I talked about. And then lastly, the, the powertrain, you know, the, these electric vehicles and all the computer chips um, that you see. Um, just look at a Tesla, Google, anybody on live, anyone live now, if you can Google a Model 3 inverter, take a look at that picture and look at all the chipsets and obviously the software that sits on it. This, these are massive, massive uh, supercomputers on wheels. And, um, and we won't, maybe Mark, you and I can talk later about what gets done in the cloud and on the edge. You know, what's interesting too, Gary is from the tech sector, you know, there's lots of big tech conferences. We go to a bunch of them, fortune brainstorm tech CES just in the last 90 days, how much of the, the agenda of those tech conferences is it focused on automotive and autonomous driving, self-driving cars, delivery, the things we're talking about. The, you mentioned the Waymo example. The Waymo CEO was the keynote speaker at the uh, Brainstorm Tech Conference this year. Um, oh, really? When you go to CES, oh, cool. the, uh, the Consumer Electronics Show, which is sort of all the cool stuff that's every January in Vegas. Um, amazing uh, the the prominence of the auto sector and the advancement so it's not just the r&d shops of the uh, the car uh, manufacturers anymore but it's all of the silicon valley and the tech sector as well and the amount of private equity funding and venture capital funding that's going into 
automotive tech development. So the convergence is, is certainly here and it's important for the future of both sectors. A lot of different lanes, pun intended there, Gary, that we could go down on the automotive conversation <laughs> here. But, um, you know, wanted to, to talk about um, just bringing it back a moment or so ago in the conversation or actually going back to the beginning with Mark, where we noted when you look at the respondents this year in terms of our global um, semiconductor outlook, that automotive was emerging as the second most important revenue driver. And that was second only to um, wireless communications, including 5G infrastructure, smartphones, and other mobile devices. You know, Gary, you talked about the infotainment. Um, where does 5G play into that? Is, are we going to see a big introduction of 5G into the vehicles? Do you think there would be any hesitancy by auto manufacturers over this? We recall several months back, there was a lot of talk in the airline industry about some qualms about 5G. So just welcome your perspective. And of course, Mark's also about how that plays into those infotainment uh, technology capabilities and vehicles. Think of your infotainment. That is it, you know, I would say the first or second inning and the next versions of how your smartphone, if you will, will be one in the same with your vehicle is just getting better and better. Um, and the screens within your, uh, you know how you can touch your screen in your phone. I want you to imagine a world and not, not too far distant future that you'll be able to take uh, a window or your screen in the back and um, a lot of data and information will be popping up through infotainment there the virtual realities that you'll be able to do, it's coming. There's some really cool startups in this space. A lot of the supplier community is looking at it. Um, obviously, you can make commercials and make money off of this type of stuff. So uh, there's a lot of big time players just in the infotainment screens. You can imagine uh, you know, videos and movies and all the things you do today, but having it be interactive within your car. But how do you get the data how do you send the data? How do you receive it in a fast, effective way? And, you know, there's 5G as one answer. Um, and I think that's a possibility. 6G, Mark, you tell me where we are in 6G. I think that that's already in the planning. Um, you have V to X, which is the vehicle speaking to, you know, people um, on their devices. I think all that will be in play in the next few years um, as people desire and want really an infotainment fun experience within their vehicle. Yeah, Matt, you know, the other thing about 5G, you mentioned airlines as maybe expressing some concerns, safety concerns. I think that's such a short-term view. I mean, 5G is certainly here to stay. And, and for the automotive sector, it actually has a, a, an important role to play in safety. I mean, the ability for interconnectivity between cars on the road, you know, various cars being able to, uh, you know, electronically communicate with, uh, with each other with sensors that are out there. Certainly, as Gary mentioned, between the cell phones and your car, uh, you know, 5G, I think, is the platform that allows a lot of development that's going to be necessary from a safety standpoint. So um, I, I think it is here to stay. Gary mentioned 6G. It's obviously on the agendas already, um, but um, it's really, really important technology. And again, you know, the emergence of, of 5G uh, from the tech sector, it's really the telecoms and the automotive sector where uh, that's where the leadership position of, of really making 5G active is, is that's where we're seeing it. Just add to that point um, on the safety side of it, Mark, 
and Matt, I think that's a great point. So the vehicle we call Vita X. So on your phone, um, it can connect with you as a person on the phone. It can potentially connect with other vehicles as as uh, agents in the wild, as we like to say in deep learning uh, neural nets, <laughs> is how they react. But it, it could be very helpful there uh, on the safety side. And one of the interesting complexities going on in the car right now is how much of the computing is done on the edge, i.e. in the vehicle, um, versus how much do you upload and, and, and send to the cloud and back down, and, and what is that balance? How do you do that? And I think 5G or 6G making that cheaper, faster, you know, that might change the equation too. So um, it, it's, it's really evolving in many ways um, as, as the new, te- you know, externalities of technology can impact how people think about the electrical architecture of a vehicle. And I, and I, I think, you know, Mark, your comment that 6G is on the way too and how they're going to start playing for that in the next vehicles. Uh, who knows? Hell, there'll probably be a 7G and an 8G. So uh, <laughs> I, I, well, that we'll have podcasts or we'll have, uh, we'll have Twitter feeds on that one at another time. But I'm sure that's in the offing too. You know, it's it's interesting if you look at the progression over the last several years, right? Even before the pandemic, Gary, both you and Mark have been talking about the intersection of, of tech and automotive and, and you specifically, Gary, your team at KPMG talked about autonomous vehicles. Your first paper, Me, My Car, My Life, right? Was that was the title, Gary? I always forget the exact Very phrases. Very good, Matt. Right? Excellent. We're going, we're going, right? We're going back. We're going back probably eight years ago now on that one, right? So this has been something that you've been very ahead of the curve on. And I'd be curious to get your perspective and then Mark's also. Where do you see, let's say, Gary, a year or two from now, if we assume that the, the new operating model is that increasingly uh, folks who have the ability to work remote will be and perhaps aren't in as much need for owning a vehicle. And if autonomous technology continues to evolve from a safety standpoint, you know, right now the big discussion, Gary, as you know, with gas prices being as high as they are, big discussions over uh, EVs and, you know, the benefits from a cost standpoint compared to having a vehicle where you have to go to the gas pump. But what do you see, Gary, over the next year or two as the big trend with, with cars and, you know, car ownership and technology and all of that? What do you think is going to be the big story in a year or two that we're talking about? First thing I think all the listeners should realize, um, and I'm not sure this is a great, perfect analogy, but it's a decent one, that your 2024, 2025 automotive vehicles will make your 2021, which is, you know, not that old, Look, I guess we'll call it an iPhone. What was the first iPhone 4 versus the iPhone 13 or 12, whatever, 10 or whatever version we are. I mean, there's going to be a massive difference even in two years about the technology on the vehicle. Massive differences. And it's already baked in. I'm not, this has already been engineered. The auto industry, one of its great strengths is its its engineering prowess. One of its weaknesses vis-a-vis tech, as Mark knows, is, you know, it takes three years to get it designed and get it into the vehicle and the chips have gotten a lot better and the tech has gotten a lot better. So it's a little behind the curve. But I can tell you, Matt, the first thing is the vehicles are going to be way more uh, advanced from a technological perspective. Um, and they'll be more expensive given all the technology in which we're, which we're seeing a lot of these input prices. So 
Um, you may want to think about owning versus leasing as if you, <laughs> that's a personal decision there. But I think on its capability, the other thing is from a safety perspective, the probability of you crashing in a car just drops diminutively. I mean, these new cars will be so much more safer because the car will see. There will be optical sensors. There'll be eight to 10 cameras on most new vehicles. And you'll have these GPUs, graphic processing units, with the deep learning algorithms that will be able to actually see and react to it and you know, break for you. You have the mobilize of this world, but we're just... We're just getting started from a safety perspective. Um, you'll have LIDARs eventually, you'll have, which is light pulses that can see out 200 meters or farther. You'll have sonar. Um, you'll have uh, radars within the vehicle baked in for incredible amount of safety and autonomy over time. So um, I'm not sure what that will do for ownership, to be honest with you. At some point, I think, every, I think Americans in general love to own things and and uh, we're very proud you know we we like it you know we love to own and show off our cool stuff uh, i think a lot of this will be also electric so from that perspective but by the same token you can magically push a button and you know things are going to come to you you don't have to go to it so you don't have to go shopping as we're all seeing so you don't you don't need a vehicle as much or you can share the vehicle more so um it could play out in many different scenarios, Matt. I'm, I'm unclear, other than I know I'm going to be getting some co cool cars, and I bet you a lot of people on this call will want some themselves. <laughs> hey, Matt, you know the other thing we're seeing that really has this impact on the tech sector and the automotive industry is talent. Um, it's, it's been on the short list of risks and agenda topics in the tech sector for a long time. Uh, you know, how much demand there is for in the tech sector for you know, software engineers, talented R&D folks, computer scientists, et cetera, and how the, the demand is outpacing the supply there. Well, what we're seeing is it's no longer just the big tech companies fighting for these individuals and, and people moving between the tech companies. We're seeing the automotive companies stealing, you know, the old Silicon Valley tech talent. And it's opening up a whole new channel as we see you know, these people trying to build and design what Gary just described. And it, it's not the same R&D shop of an, auto, of an automaker anymore. They need the tech talent. I'm glad that you raised the talent equation. It's something that is important in all sectors and certainly not unique to automotive. But Gary, welcome your thoughts, you know, listening to Mark talk about getting the talent equation right. Um, what do you what would you say, Gary, in conversations you're having with the OEMs uh, in terms of skill sets they're looking for? Are they looking for folks who are skilled in cyber as we think about, you know, Gary, the connected cars and the risk for vehicles to potentially be hacked, as scary as that thought is? I know you've talked about that for a number of years at automotive shows in LA and Detroit over the years. Um, are they looking for cyber skills? Are they looking for individuals who are well-versed in other skill sets? What's, what's sort of the top skill sets that you're hearing from when you have conversations in the automotive space? Unfortunately, there could be a day when you, when you push that little magical button in your car to start and it tells you, uh, you owe a thousand dollar Bitcoin before they'll let you, uh, start your car because you've been you know, hack, you know, God forbid, but, you know, it could happen. So I think, you know, the cyber scary, I don't want to go negative because I think, 
we have to be uh, thoughtful in that area. But it, certainly the cyber side is something we've got to, we've got to pay attention to. But I would, on the positive side, where I'm, I think the sexy, cool stuff, um, just give you an example, uh, kind of what Mark was just talking about, Matt. Um, Ford Motor Company just announced that they are reorganizing their entire company. And, uh, you know, this 100-year storied company is setting up separately. Why are they doing it? Uh, in great, great part is exactly what Mark just said, is because they have specific talent needs. They're breaking it up. Well, it's the same company. They're not separating it, but they're going to report it separately. They're creating their own EV division. And uh, why? And if you listen to Doug Field, who's the guy that's going to be one of the leaders of that, he was a automotive engineer at Ford originally, I believe, and he left to work for this little company called Tesla, and he worked at Apple, and now he's back at Ford, uh, and he's leading it. And if you hear him talk, he's like, we need software engineers based in you know Tel Aviv or Palo Alto. We want to attract them to our industry, and they are stealing them, if, if you will. I tend to think we need them, and it's not stealing. It's the coolest industry. So any tech people on the call, you can join our automotive industry. We'd be happy to have you. But seriously, uh, that's why they set it up, and they're going to operate at different paces and different you know comp structures, and they're trying to be much, much more creative. The software, especially the software, um, one of the most brilliant things about Tesla that I've always loved since the day it was started, it was a computer on wheels. And if you look at all the automotive companies who've tried to mimic Tesla, why is it they have been unable to match, you know, even the, the range of a Tesla? Why? After all these years and all the reverse engineering, how is it possible that these storied great companies <clears throat> and auto couldn't do it. Well, the primary reason is the, the 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 architecture of the vehicle was set up as a computer on wheels, and the integrated software within the vehicle is one of the mightiest uh, secret sauces of Tesla. Their operating system works as one, and automotive cars are not set up that way. They are not set up that way. They try to leverage economies of scale and use the same one, and they couldn't match the prowess of Tesla. Now they're beginning to realize that that's no longer the right model, and they're setting up these new computer on wheels, and and this is the talent they've got to grab. Lots of points, Gary and Mark, that you've both raised over uh, the course of our conversation today, and mindful that we have listeners who come and go at different points. I want to circle back to where we began, because I think that certainly would be of great interest to those who might just be joining and talking about the intersection of tech and auto and how we really are at a point where it's never been more intertwined. Uh, the, the, the cars really are computers with four wheels. Uh, Mark, want to start with you and then Gary, come, come back to you. Mark, probably beneficial for those who might have just joined to reiterate some of the points you made up front about what you've seen in your role and in the intersection uh, in our global automotive uh, semiconductor outlook results that showed that automotive continues to, to move up in importance. I think three points come to mind to maybe bring this home from the tech side. Um, the connectivity between automotive and tech is hitting at multiple levels and really the whole tech stack is being Im impacted. Uh, we talked a bit about how semiconductors uh, and how important the automotive sector is to the revenue growth of the semiconductor sector and it now being uh, the number two revenue driver uh, in the next decade or so. 
only behind the mobile the mobile sector uh, for the semiconductors. But we're also seeing it to be a huge driver uh, for both big tech. Uh, we're seeing a ton of the big tech clients either partnering with uh, OEMs or investing in uh, electronic vehicle companies and expanding their balance sheets to really make investments into that sector uh, and at times even becoming direct competitors. And then on the third level, we're seeing a massive amount of venture capital, private equity that's historically invested in sort of classic tech, expanding the portfolio into automotive uh, development um, the pieces of the car that Gary's talked so much about today. A lot of that's being funded out of the venture, uh, historical tech venture backed fund. So automotive and tech is really intersecting at multiple levels. Mark, wanted to circle back on on some of those points you just hit on. Uh, and again, mindful of those who joined at different points. I thought you made a number of astute points, Mark, in the 5G conversation. We've, we hear a lot about 5G and other sectors of the uh, economy. We cited the airline industry expressing some concerns, uh, you know, months back. Um, if you don't mind, Mark, just summarizing what we talked about there. And again, welcome your perspective from from the TMT side. You know, when you think about 5G, I think it is here to stay. And while we've had certain cases where there was some bumpy openings, the airline industry, for example, you know, 5G is going to be critical to a number of factors for the automotive sector. We talked about from the safety side, the ability for automobiles to communicate with one another, uh, for your cell phone and your car to communicate, for sensors on the road that will help uh, the safety side. So it's going to be huge there. And that's a big, big uh, hurdle to overcome from the autonomous vehicles and the uh, acceptance rate by, by humans to get in a car that they're not steering, not driving. Um, so that'll be important. Also think um, the ability for uh, cars to send data to the cloud that the 5G and future generation 6G and beyond, um, the ability for data to go to the cloud and back in an efficient enough manner that it can be useful so that it's not all having to be stored in the vehicle. Uh, and that'll open up, I think, a lot of new uh, ways as well. So 5G is going to be big uh, for the sector. I think a lot of the development that's being done will only work on 5G, but it's going to be a massive, a massive expansion and acceleration on, in what's already been rapidly accelerating over the past few years. So only see that continuing. Mark, um, I just wanted to um, ask you a question that uh, going back to the initial part of the conversation, we talk about the bridge that, as you speak of often, tech not being a standalone sector, but bridging other sectors. Um, Mark, from your vantage point, when you look at all the all the sectors, is there is there one that has greater connectivity with tech than auto? Or do you think it's at least a fair summation to say that you'd be hard pressed to find another sector where tech is as intertwined as it is with the automotive sector? There's probably three that come to mind. Auto tech, health tech and fintech are probably the three that uh, we spend most of our, our focus on. But, you know, I often sort of view my role as leading what we call the tech sector today in our firm as being a role that shouldn't even exist in the future because tech there is should be no tech sector that every one of the sectors that we have every industry that we're focused on is going to have such an interconnection with the technology sector of today uh, that in, in some ways I'm trying to work myself out of a job uh, by continuing to make the point of how important tech is to every sector and uh, what we're trying to do with our podcast series, our Twitter space series of how tech connects to these other sectors, um, really trying to highlight that today. And we see that in the future 
uh, just being embedded in every sector that, that we're doing work in. Certainly, Gary, wanted to allow you to make a closing point um, about what you see in the automotive and tech tech sector. Mark was talking about that when you think of the intersection of tech with other sectors. For him, automotive is certainly right in that core conversation of, of the most interconnected with tech. And welcome your thoughts uh, to make a final point today. No, I would agree with that. And I just we're at the earliest stages of it. We are at the earliest stages and you ain't seen nothing yet. I, I literally will look at 2030 and look at the vehicles, what we have and these supercomputer on wheels. And it'll be hard to comprehend that we actually drove vehicles, even that look like our 2010 vehicles. So uh, I think we're at the early stages and it's really exciting. We hope you enjoyed that conversation and for additional timely industry discussions, be sure to follow at KPMG US underscore news on Twitter. That's KPMG US underscore news. We'll see you next time on the Tech and Podcast.